So those of you that are with us for the last few weeks, last week we preached a message, or Pastor Glenn preached a message, because I felt like I needed to show you one of what I think is one of his greatest messages, and that is a message called Devil, Your Request Has Been Denied. And man, what a move we had in service, even through a video. Amen. And so uh, it was tough for me to let go, but I knew what we needed to do. But for the weeks prior to that, we were in a series called Anointed. And, and, and I want to pick up in that series today. This is part three of that series. This is the last part of that series. Somebody say, oh, that's all right. Well, you got more coming. Amen. Praise God. And, and, uh, and, and, but I want to finish that series. But in order for me to preach this next piece, I've got to catch some people up with where we've been for the other two weeks. So uh, we had an amazing Sunday last week, but this week I need to finish this. We started this series because I believe that this is something that has been overlooked in the church. Can I just be honest with you? I think the church has become more feel-good than it is anointed. It's become more emotional than it is anointed. Emotions don't break yokes. Emotions don't change things. Emotions create things. Can I get an amen from somebody? But anointing destroys the yoke. But the church is missing in this because the, the word anointed has become a weird word. The anointing has become a weird word because it, it's one of those places where I can't, I can't control. It's God moving. It's not me moving. Right. And, and so we don't want to do that. We don't want to touch that because we want to be in control. But but God says, I'm not trying to build a church that is emotional. I'm trying to build a church that is anointed in the things of me so that it can do what I've purposed it to do. OK. And so we've become an easygoing Christian church attending. That That's that's all we are anymore. We, we get up if we get up. Amen. Can I get him in? If we, if we get up on a Sunday morning, if we decide to ignore the alarm or get up after the alarm, or if we decide to not say, oh, I'm too tired and I'm so worn out and blah, blah, blah. But, but God's saying, look, I'm looking for a church that says, because of the anointing, I can overcome all those things. Oh, see, see I'm going to mess with you real quick because the moment we start getting into this, your excuses fly out the window. Your thought process, your, your existence flies out the window and it becomes about him. We become this easygoing Christian church full of a bunch of attenders. And rather than believers who are operating in the fullness of his power and presence, we're, we're, not, we're not operating in the fullness. Come on, be real with me for a second. I can look at churches and I can see the ones that are operating and the ones that are not. The ones that are not operating need the pastor. The ones that are operating, when their pastor goes down, they keep marching. When, when, when Pastor Glenn went down, the church didn't die. The church grew. The church got louder. The church, the church volume raised, and it didn't just raise in Modesto. It raised internationally. Why? Because that's the anointing. The anointing overcomes you. The anointing takes you out of yourself and puts you in the position to operate in what he's created you to be. We don't want to go beyond just church. We just want to do enough to skate by so that we make it in. Bring me down, Mr. Soundman, just a little bit. We just want to slide under the ropes. We want to make it as the gate is closing so that we hope that we get in. We're not caring about what it looks like. Can we just make it in? I hate to say this to you. I don't think a lot of people are going to be slip sliding in. I think there's coming a point. No, I know there's coming a point in the church and the time is now that we have got to start operating and acting like who we say we are. If we are Bible-believing, God-fearing, God-loving men and women of God, then we will operate according to the power and the presence and his word and not waver any longer. We will stop making excuses. We will stop whimpering and whining. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar, as a pastor? I am so sick 
of the whining believer. Because if you can whine and call yourself a believer, I'm going to question the believer part. Because if you are whining, then you do not believe what you say you believe. He said, like, Pastor, I just, I just don't know I'm going to make it. I, just, I, just, I don't know I'm going to do it. Pastor, oh, Pastor, I don't know I'm going to make it. Do you love God? Pastor, you know I love you. I love God. You, you know I love God. Do you, do, do you believe that he can hear you? I believe he can hear me. Then why are you talking to me? Why hasn't it become power that understands that by his stripes you've been made whole? Not hopefully might one day if he likes you good enough and you're on his good list, does he make you whole? No, that by his stripes. You know what's funny to me? I don't, I don't get it. I don't even understand why most believers don't even know how many promises in the Bible there are for you. Because we spend more time complaining than we do declaring his promises. And no wonder the church has been affected. No wonder we're not moving where we're supposed to be. Because it is time that the anointing flows in the church again. But that will only happen when you and I begin to walk in the anointing. Watch this. Let me give it to you this way. Because with the anointing, altars would be empty of repeat repenters. I just got to say it real quick. There is true conversion. And then there's emotional conversion. Emotional conversion is on the side of if you die tonight, would you go to heaven hell? If you're afraid you're going to go to hell, come to the altar right now. Ah, I'm going to go to hell. Run to the altar. God, I'm give my life right. Then you go right back out and you realize you didn't go to hell. So you go back to the same old life you always lived. A true conversion says, God, you take my heart, you rip it out of my chest, you mold it and make it the way you want it to be, and then you place it back on the inside of me so that my heart beats in rhythm with you, so that I have a greater desire for you than I do for the world, so that I don't look back and walk where I used to be. I walk as far away. I flee from the very appearance of evil. I pursue you with everything I have. I chase after you. I run after you. I run with you. I talk with you. I walk with you. I, I, you are my God, and I'm your kid. This is what I want. Worship would be filled with an inhabitation of his presence and his power. Sermons would be preached with power rather than feel goods. Mm. The word would come alive in our hearts and applicable to every situation. Did you know there's not one word in this entire book that is not applicable to your life? Even the words and and it apply to you. Every word that comes from the mouth of God is yours. You better thank God he puts ands in there. Because that and included you. We would become soul winners rather than people watchers. We would shake the very gates of hell and watch heaven explode with its greatest influx. But unfortunately, the church has become extremely quiet. We, are, we, are, we, we said this in a pastor's, in a pastor's meeting one time that you want to watch people pray, create a crisis. Somebody said this in a meeting, we're destined for another 9-11. Somebody say, no, 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 no. You know how many people got saved during 9-11? In the multitudes. Altars were packed until the fear wore off. And then they emptied again. Then we hit another crisis, and then the altars get filled again. How many times do you think God's going to let a crisis happen to get our attention before he just moves on with what he promised he would do? 
How many more times is he going to give us a chance to become soul winners rather than people watchers? How many more times is he going to give us an opportunity to worship him in spirit and in truth? How many more times is he going to give us to actually become declarers of the gospel rather than whiners of our own ways? How many more times? Oh, but pastor, God is love. You're right, he is love. But my son only has so many chances before justice shows up on the table. Well, pastor, you're supposed to be loving. That is love. So in the week one, we discovered that you're anointed. Somebody say, I'm anointed. That was half of y'all. I'm going to try that again. Some of y'all say, tell, tell, tell me. Don't tell your neighbor because I know you won't talk to him anyway. Tell me. Say, pastor, I'm anointed. If Christ lives in you and God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, then you're anointed if you are a true believer. Listen, just because you go to church doesn't make you anointed. Ah, mm-mm, mm-mm, don't do it. Pastor, I go to church every Sunday, but you live like hell Monday through Saturday. So don't walk up in here like, Pastor, I'm at church, I'm anointed. Uh-uh. Anointed people are believers who continue to walk the walk of faith. You might stumble every once in a while, but you pick yourself up and keep on walking. Don't, don't claim the anointing just because you show up at a church service. The devil came to church this morning. I don't know if you realize that. He's sitting in the parking lot waiting for you to go back to your car. If you're truly a believer, then you're anointed. And why do I say that? Because when Jesus was on the earth, the Bible says that God, in, in, in I believe it's Acts chapter 10, uh, he, says that, he says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. He anointed Jesus with that. When Jesus left the earth, what did he say? Greater things shall you do than me. That means if Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power, then you're anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. It makes you anointed. If you're a believer, that's what you are. And I don't know if you like that concept, but I love it. I dig it. I'm all about it. Why? Because it makes me everything I wasn't. It took me from where I was and put me somewhere else. It changed my life. It shifted me out. It saved me out of a jail cell, and it put me in a pulpit. It took the most unlikely and made it the most likely. I I love what John chapter 14, verse 12 through 18, I'm reading this from the Amplified Version. I love what it says here. It says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. Did y'all, y'all, y'all caught that, right? Y'all, y'all caught that. that. That's crazy stuff right there. That, 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 that you'll do even, well, it goes and says, and, and you'll do even greater than these in extent and outreach because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name as my representative, not your house, as my representative. Not a new car as my representative. That's a problem in the church today. We spend more time asking God for material items than we ask God to use us. Come on, work with me for a second. Oh, God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Fill my hands, fill my pockets, fill my bank accounts. Do we not? What if you stopped praying for money and asked God for wisdom? For the Bible says that wisdom is the principal thing, but the love of money is the root of all evil. What if you stop praying for all these other things and just ask God to use you? Instead of saying, God, heal them, God, anoint me to go lay hands on them and see them recover. See, you see where I'm going here? Like, we we, we do that. Oh, God, fix it. Oh, God, fix it. Oh, God, fix it. When are you going to step up? The Bible says that he anointed you to do greater, not partial, greater. Where is the greater church? Where is it? I am sick and tired of ebb and flows of revival. 
We had the Azusa Street Revival. We had the Brownsville Revival. We've had different revivals. We've had, we've had the Faith Revival. We've had the Healing Revival. We've had all the... Do you wonder why we had revivals? To wake the church up so we would finally understand that that was his plan and purpose from the beginning. Did Jesus ever waver in his function? Uh-uh. He was and is and is still yet to come. He didn't change his power. He didn't one day wake up and was like, hey, I'm going to be really powerful today. And the next day, like, I don't feel like doing it today. No, he was the same. He still is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Where's the church? Some people are still living in yesterday. Some people are trying to live in today. And I'm going to be real honest with you. A lot of times we're not even focused on where we're headed. You want me to prove it to you? Hell doesn't even get preached in the church anymore. We don't care about eternity. We just care about right now. What can God give me right now? We are a right now culture. We are a Burger King culture. My way, right away. Gimme, gimme, gimme. It doesn't matter if it kills me. Just give it to me now. I'll pay the consequence. I'll go to the gym more, but I'm going to eat my Big Mac and have my Diet Coke. Because that's what we've become. God says, I'm looking for a church that will operate in me, not in themselves. They will move themselves out of the way so I can become the way in their lives. This is what, this is what God's saying. I've anointed you. And he goes on and says, uh, if you ask me anything in my name as my representative, I'll do it. If you really, I love what it says there, if you really, really defines that you're committed. If you really love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. So would you say that sin is telling God that you don't love him? No, it was just a mistake. Uh-uh. Read your word. If you really love me, you'll obey and keep my commandments. Understand this. Sin is not an a outcome of one's behavior. Sin is a heart condition of one person. And it is the heart condition towards God when you sin. You tell God, God, keep giving, but I don't love you. Could you imagine what, what my son would get if he walked in and said, Dad, I, I, I don't love you. Give me your bed, your TV, your Xbox, your PlayStation, whatever else you got, give back. That, that's how I would feel, right? Come on, parents, work with me. Don't look at me. No, I would never do that. No, I, I feel like that. I'm like, okay, you want to show you what love is? I'll take it all back. Aren't you glad you serve a God that doesn't take it back? Yes. You serve a God that doesn't take it back, but there is love on the table. Love is a reciprocated feeling. It is not just a one-sided place. If I tell my wife every day that I love her and she never says it back, then there is no love between us. It is a reciprocated emotion. For God so loved the world. Why did he love you? So that you might love him. Why is it that we won't step into that place? It goes on in verse 60. It says, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart, because it does not see him or know him but you. Somebody say, but me. Now, some of y'all didn't say it. Say, but me. Know him. Because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. So in the first week, we discovered that the Holy Spirit is the unction to, oper to the operation of the anointing in our lives. You cannot operate in the anointing without the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the unction to the function of the anointing. The, the Holy Spirit speaks to you to move into that space. So when Jesus says, I have anointed you with the Holy Spirit and with power, the Holy Spirit had to be there first before the power could manifest. Okay, so it's the same way in our own lives. And it's time for us to function 
fully as believers. So then we get to week two, and we started talking about David. I know all this recap. I'm not even into my message yet. Still buckle your seatbelts. Amen. We talked about David. The Bible says, who is a man after God's own heart, who was anointed king by Samuel. We talked about how when Samuel came to anoint David as king, that there were features in that text that shows us what the anointed looked like. Sometimes we have to get a picture. Can I get an amen from somebody? Sometimes we got to be able to see it. If you don't believe that, ask yourself why God sent Jesus. Because <laughs> a flood didn't work. <laughs> Walls falling didn't work. Plagues didn't work. Locusts didn't work. No, he said, you know what? I'm tired of trying to get their attention through movements. I'm going to send bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and put them right in front of people so they can see how much I love them. So he brings Jesus into the picture, an, a, a picture of the love of the Father. Hang on, amen for somebody. The picture of the love of the Father, to send a son to die so that you might live. Okay? But we talk about this here and says, I started to realize that in that text of Scripture, there were imagery that was painted when Samuel came to anoint David as king. And so let me, let me deal with the first one. The Bible says that Samuel came into the room, and Samuel's looking at all the brothers, and he's like, this one's not it. This one's not it. Because the Bible says he took the ram's horn, it was filled with oil, placed it over their heads, and the oil wouldn't come out. Okay, so they, God was not releasing his finger off the oil. And God says, the problem is, Samuel, and I'm paraphrasing here, the problem is, Samuel, is you're looking at the outward appearance, looking for kingly features. But I don't look for the outside. I look up what's on the inside. And so the first one we dealt with on, on week two was that God's looking for a heart, not a stature. Hmm. God's not looking for a preacher at a pulpit. He's not looking for a worshiper on the stage. He's looking at the heart content of the believer. Those who have a heart for him, those who have a desire for him are the ones that he anoints. And so God looks at the insides of you. Stop trying to paint your outside to look anointed. Stop trying to dress the outside so you might look the part. Baby, you can't look the part. The part is either in you or it's not in you. You're either anointed or you're not anointed. You're either walking in it or you're not walking in it. Stop trying to play church, showing up on Sundays, looking cute when you were cussing all week long. Let God in. Let him deliver you and set you free so that you can show up and not have to put on anything. You can show up in gym shorts, a t-shirt, and a ball cap, baby, and still be anointed. Y'all remember back in the day, we all wore suits to church. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all still, some people still do it. I, I kind of like the jeans and the button down, but that's just me now. But I grew up in the era where we wore suits because for some reason we thought, well, if we wore suits and we wore dresses and we looked beautiful, God was more pleased with us. Show me that in scripture. Cannot find it. He said, come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, come to me. He didn't tell you how to come. He said, just come. Just come. He didn't say, just come just as you. Uh. Unfortunately, the church has become so elitist and so socialistic that we've become a space where people can't even get in because they don't fit the part. You don't fit the part, Jack. None of us fit the part, but through his grace and his mercy, he's given us access. None of us fit the part. I'm, a ja I'm jacked up from the top of my hair. To the soles of my toes. I'm a jacked up person, messed up from the neck up, thought all kinds of crazy things, did all kinds of crazy things. But God, in all of his love for me, still desired to place something on the inside of me. And if you don't know what that word is, let me give it to you real quick. It's a word called dunamis. It's an inherent power that God birthed on the inside of you that is just laying dormant, waiting to wake up on the inside of you. 
But the Bible says, now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power. The power is dunamis that operates on the inside of us. You have power. Somebody say power. power. No, no, say it like you mean it. Somebody say power. power. You understand that when you finally start walking in anointing, you start walking in power? Oh. See, I believe with everything in my heart that on last Sunday when we started to pray for Pastor Glenn, I think a wave went from the East Coast. Because churches all over this nation were praying for him. A wave went from the East Coast, and it eventually landed in the West Coast. It tied up with the House Modesto at the same time, and that's when he came off that ventilator. Why? Because that's the power that operates on the inside of us. Jairus said, if you could just send the word to my child, I'll know that she's okay. If you could just send the word to him, if you could just speak the word. Oh, we got to put hands on Baby, no, there is power. Life and death in the power of your tongue, and what you speak brings life. And so if we declare in this place that Pastor Glenn is whole, then Pastor Glenn's got to be whole because that's the anointing moving on the end. Y'all too quiet for me this morning. Y'all should never let me take a Sunday off. Ah, I did, there's got to be an awakening. Somebody, well, do me a favor. Put your hands on your belly. Put your hands on your belly. Say, wake up. I tell you to put your hand on your mouth, but that just sounds real weird. We got to wake up. We gotta revive. We've got to raise up in this hour. We gotta stop sitting. Listen, the church is waiting to see what's gonna happen next. You ever seen that movie called The Incredibles? You remember the little kid that's sitting outside on the driveway and he pulls up his little, what do you call it? What do we call those? Big wheels, big wheels, big wheels. Come on, if you're old like me, you're big wheels. Amen. He's sitting on a big wheel. And, and, and he, the first time the kid sees him, he like gets mad and grabs the car and slams the door and the door comes off. And, and so the next time he comes out and he's, Kid's like, he's like, what are you looking at? He goes, I don't know. Something amazing. That's the world. They're waiting to see what's going to happen in the church. They're waiting to see if we're really going to experience what we keep telling them we're going to experience. Let me help you with something. The experience is not waiting on God to show up. It's waiting on us to show up. The experience is already here. You just got to be an open vessel being willing to be poured into. You got to be an open vessel ready to God to fill you up. But I'm not go, God, no, that's too much. Okay, oh, no, that's too much. No, no, okay, God, stop right there. No, fill me to overflowing so that I might go pour myself out and come back in and be filled again. The, church, the world is waiting. We are talking a lot of trash and doing nothing. And the world is going, you tell me to come serve the God you serve, but the God you serve, I don't see him yet. Oh, here it comes, here it comes, not even in my notes. And the reason he does, they don't see him yet is because we haven't become a demonstration of him yet. We haven't started walking in the anointing. We're just walking in church attendance. Clock in, clock out. Let me put my name on the roster. Look, Pastor, look, look God, I go to a church. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it, and I'm a pastor, and I, I, I pastor a church, but going to a church doesn't mean anything in the kingdom of God. What you do with what's imparted to you is what matters. How you walk out of this place and what you do in the life, what you bring to the lives of others, what you share with people on a daily experience, that's what changes the world around us. Stop isolating the church to a building and become the church that has left the building. Become the church that takes the anointing outside of the building. Stop coming back in and picking up your anointed cloth and sitting back in your seats, but take your anointed cloth outside of the house and go wipe, wipe it on other people and pray for other people and bring healing to other people and bring deliverance so that God might continue to use you. So the first one was a heart. 
She had to have a heart. And the second one was when he started trying to find the one that was anointed, he got to the end of the boys and he said, Samuel said, is there anybody left? And his dad said, yeah, there's one in the fields tending the sheep. Our youngest boy, David, he's, he's about his father's business. But David was a worshiper and a servant all in one. David was tending his dad's sheep, wasn't cared about being anointed. He was just obedient to the father's will. And it was in that place that God taught him how to deal with attacks, how to deliver sheep, not realizing that one day he would be king of Israel, God's chosen people, and that the lions and tigers and bears, oh my, were all in preparation so that he might lead the people of Israel. Not realizing that in those moments God would teach him how to be a worshiper, not realizing in those moments that God would give him boldness. And so David comes in and the ram's horn goes above David's head and the oil comes off and that moment, David's anointed king. So there are two areas. That first, you have to have heart. Second area, to in order to walk in the anointing, is you have to have a servant's heart and a worshiper's heart. A worshiper's heart, which is hard sometimes because we get caught up in the things of the world. But we forget that worship brings us out of the world. Yeah. That when we serve, God, can, God is able to birth things on the inside of us. I, I don't want to be a church hoarder. I don't want to be a spiritual consumer. I want to be a spiritual giver. God's been that good to me. Why should I keep coming and consuming and coming and consuming? Listen, there's going to come a point where you, and I'm going to say this very lovingly, there comes a point where you can become spiritually constipated, locked up. And I don't mean that to be a derogatory term. I mean that legitimately. You can become so full of yourself that you're not full of God any longer. And we've got to shift this space. So this morning, all that to get you right here. I feel like I just preached three messages, amen. So we've dealt with, we've dealt with understanding that you and I as believers are anointed. We've discovered the look and position of the anointed. But this morning, I want to talk about what the anointing empowers you to do. Because if you say I'm anointed, the next question is, what does that really mean? Because you can say, Pastor, I'm anointed, but we have no clue what we're declaring. Can let's just be honest. There's a lot of things we declare in the church that we have no clue what we're saying. We're just saying because pastor said, say it. Well, pastor said, say I'm anointed. I'm anointed. But do you understand what, that, what, what vein that puts you in? Do you understand what place that puts you in? Do you understand that, what, what, what that calls you to? It's not just another cool title. It means that you and I walk in the power that only God through Christ can supply the believer. It takes us from the ordinary to the extraordinary. It puts the super to our natural. Hmm, trying to help you here. How many of y'all want to be more than what you are? <laughs> Some of y'all are still not raising your hands. You're lying in church. Stop lying in church. How many of you want to be more than, okay, I'm like this right now. Do I need to stand on a chair? Is that what I need to do? Some of you still not raise your hand. I'm going to keep doing it until you raise your hand. This is called interactive church. If you don't like me for it, write Pastor Dylan a letter. Amen. Come on, I want to be more than what I am right now. I'm tired of being, I'm ready to be something better. Okay, watch, watch. You know what you need? The anointing. That's all you need. You need the anointing. Because you, if you receive God, you can get the anointing. You, but you need the anointing because without the anointing, you're just natural. But I want to walk in the supernatural. How, you know, Pastor, I want to see the, what happened in the Bible happen in the church. He's waiting on you. God was already anointed. 
He sent Jesus and anointed him. Then Jesus left the earth and anointed you. But pastor, I wasn't there. Nobody anointed your ancestors. And that's called a generational pass down. So that means you're a seed of Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Okay, stop. Okay. So you're a seed of Abraham. So whatever was promised for Abraham is promised on you. You're a part. You're a part. The Bible says you're a part of the Abrahamic covenant. Whatever God promised Abraham is on you. That would make me, boy. That's great. I'm part of the Abrahamic covenant. Woo. As far as you can see from the east to the west, from the north to the south, as many stars as you can count, as many great... That's all yours. So watch this. That means that there is nothing that is impossible with God. Y'all ain't talking to me this morning. Daggummit. I want a supernatural church. I don't want a boring, whiny, whimpering church. I want a church full of power and of might moving in the things of God. I want a church that believes for the miraculous, not hope one day that it might happen. Baby, when we prayed last Sunday for Pastor Glenn, I wasn't like, oh, God, I hope you do a miracle. Could you imagine what that prayer would have sounded like? Oh, God, if you love us, if we're really yours, you would hear our cries. (laughs) The Bible says that I'm a conqueror and overcome. I'm an overcomer by what? The blood of the lamb. Well, can we just deal with the blood of the lamb? My God, it's already been paid. That means you're not defeated. You're not downtrodden. You're not dismayed. You're not heavy laden. You're not broken. You're not busted. You're not dying. You're living, breathing, ready to do God's work. No weapon formed. Dear God, have mercy on me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. See, when we start saying these things in church, they're like, oh, that's cute. Oh, that's, no, that's power. My mama, when we were driving as kids, I don't know if your mama did this. My mama had the imaginary seatbelt. You know what I'm talking about? Car would come, Jesus. It was like, we called it the Jesus seatbelt. Jesus. It was, it was going to do anything better than what was around our body right at that moment, right? Jesus. But what, what she was doing was, is in that moment of crisis, she wasn't going, she was calling above the, on the name above all names. The only thing that will protect us and keep us. And he, she cried. And every time we did, we were fine. And the car might not have been, but we were. Amen. But what I'm saying is, is that we, 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 we've gone to calling everything else. I mean, come on. We got people leaving the church to call on Allah. Ooh, can he, yeah. I asked God when I was writing this. I'm like, God, would you, he's, you're going to go with me. We're going to walk through this one together. I said, okay. So here's the problem. You want to know why people are leaving the church of Jesus and moving to the things of Allah? You want to know why? Because there's no power. Because everyone is desperately seeking to see. Proof? Look at the days of Jesus. They were following to see. They needed to see. The The prophets declared, but they still needed to see. God understood our desire to see, so he sent Jesus. When Jesus left the earth, he said, tag, you're now it. Now demonstrate. Now demonstrate. Now demonstrate. Not sit in church, demonstrate. 
Just because you got up this morning and made it a church is not demonstration. What you do when you walk out of this place, that's demonstration. Well, that's good. Pastor's crazy. He, he's talking to anybody. I'm not that person. That's because you're walking in your natural and not the super yet. Okay. In the Old Testament, three groups of people were anointed, kings, priests, and prophets. But through the work of the Holy Spirit in us, we are all now anointed with a kingly anointing, a priestly anointing, and a prophetic anointing. Ooh, you're going to catch this in a second. You're empowered through the Holy Spirit to function in these areas. But the problem today is people want a title but not the function. You want to have the title of worship leader, but you don't want to consecrate yourself to worship. <sighs> right, we talk about this all the time. True worshipers don't worship from a stage. They worship in private. This is just a demonstration of what they already do in private. If they get up here and they can't function, it's because they have no private worship. It's the same thing with people that pray. We go, hey, come here and pray. And then they go, uh, I can see real quick that you have no private prayer life. Therefore, you have no public prayer life because this is no different than what you did in private. So watch this, watch this. If I didn't study all week, if I didn't get in my word all week, if I didn't spend time with God all week, what do you think this message would have sounded like this morning? Good morning, church. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms. We're going to read the scriptures together, and I hope that you receive something this morning. You would all walk out the door. I would. I'd be like, I'm out. Because that doesn't do anything for me. Because when I read the word, power leaps off the page at my face. The demonstration of his anointing jumps off the page at my face, and I can't just sit back and be quiet about it. The Bible says it's like fire. See, I'm just demonstrating what I hope you would do. <laughs> when I was a kid, we used to watch wrestling. Yes, we watched wrestling. I still watch wrestling at times. Amen. Um, amen. My, my son and I do it. Amen. And, and my, my, my wife makes fun of me. It's okay. We'll pray for us. Amen. But there was this guy named the Ultimate Warrior. This dude was like jacked. Like every kid wanted to be as ripped as the Ultimate Warrior. But he'd get in the ring. He's like, ooh. And just freaking out. Just, ah. And, and I started to realize that's what the Bible's talking about. Could you imagine if you walked into church and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, could you imagine what you might get out of church? Oh, could you imagine how if you walked into your prayer time or your worship time, you walked in excited rather than in, in a deteriorated state? God, I'm going to come to you and worship because I'm broken. I'm going to come to you and worship because I always need you to fix me. Uh-uh. Don't make your worship be the thing that rocks your demons to sleep. Make your worship something that takes you out of where you've been and puts you in the position to receive what he has for you. I'm, 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 try, I'm trying to get you there. Uh, Pastor, why, why are you so far? Because I'm, I'm, I'm on this weird thing. I got three weeks left of this year. And what I do over the next three weeks is going to set you up for what's going to happen in 2020. But you can't walk into 2020 the way you walked into 2019. You can't walk into 2019 hoping. You can't walk into 2020 hoping that God will do what he didn't do in 2019. Maybe there's a reason he didn't do it in 2019. Maybe you weren't positioned in the right place to get what you wanted in 2019. But maybe you could get in the right position to get what you need in 2020 so that you can walk in the fullness so you stop whining about what God's not doing in your life and start declaring what God is doing in your life. I'm going to need a nap after this sermon. You're empowered through the Holy Spirit to function in these areas. The problem today is people want a title but not a function. So put down your titles and operate through the Holy Spirit and allow God to use you for his purpose. I am not married to pastor title. 
I'm not married to the senior pastor of the house slide hell. You know what I'm married to? Whatever it is you want to do in me, God, I'll do it. You want me to pray for the sick? I'll pray for the sick. You want me to declare you in the middle of an airport? I don't care. I, I don't, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. You want me to stand on a seat? I don't care. You want me to pray for somebody in Walmart? I'll do it. You want me to love people even when, not un, when, they, when they seem unlovable? I'll do it. That, that's the anointing operating. You understand that? It, the anointing makes you do everything that your flesh doesn't want to do. Uh-oh. Rat roll. You mean, Pastor, if I don't love that person who hurt me, I'm not anointed. How can you walk in the anointing of God and hate people? Or carry an offense towards others. You can't. It's physically, spiritually, emotionally impossible to do those things and still call yourself anointed. So God says, if in order for me to use you, i got to deal with you so that I can use you as my vessel. That means I'm going to have to heal you and deliver you and make you whole again. So let, let's get through these. You ready? <laughs> only, got, only got five more pages. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have five more pages. Revelations chapter 1, verse 5 through 6, if you're wondering if this really happened, let's go to the end of the Bible so that you can understand. It says in Revelations chapter 1, verse 5 through 6, it says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Who are we talking about? Raise your hand. We're talking about you. That's what he did for you. Watch. Go to the next one. Uh, it says, And hath made us what? Kings in what? Kings. Made us what? Kings in what? He made us what? I'm going, you're going to catch this one in a second. He made us what? Kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So in case you were wondering if I'm making this up as we go, no, the Bible in Revelation says that God made you kings and priests. So if you don't want to accept it, then completely tell God you don't want Jesus. Because it's part of the package. Because if you receive the Father who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If you deny that, then you deny the royalty that flows through you. It's very hard to declare your place in the hierarchy if you do not understand that you have royalty flowing through you. So let's deal with the first one. You have a kingly anointing. Understand that I didn't say you're a king. I said you have a kingly anointing. He's the king. I don't want to be king. God knows I don't want that responsibility. He's the king. But you have a king's anointing. But what does that mean? It means that you're royalty. Let me give you the definition of the word king. Webster's definition of the word king, it says this. A person who holds by life tenure. By what? Life tenure. Not a moment. Life. Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> For life. A person who holds by life tenure and usually by hereditary right the chief authority over a country and people. But you understand that God didn't give you authority over people or a country. Amen. He didn't give that to you. Not even the president has that because he doesn't outweigh the king of kings. Amen. Okay. But here's what I'm seeing in this same, in this same definition. A king in the kingdom is this. A person who holds a, by life tenure and usually by hereditary right the chief authority over the devil and all of his minions. <laughs> so when people go, Pastor, the devil's attacking me, you haven't stepped into your kingship yet. You haven't stepped into your kingly anointing yet. Because if you understood who you were, you have authority over that enemy. I love when people go, oh, Pastor, the enemy's attacking. Dear God, is God, did God die last night? Because the Bible says the battle's not yours, but the battle's the Lord's. 
I don't know what happened in the church. For years, for years, the people in the church have been like, oh, the devil's attacking the devil, the devil, the devil. If, you talk, if we talked as much about God as we do the devil, we'd actually start to sound like the church that God was looking for. But we spend more time going, the devil, 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 the devil. And the people walk in our church going, man, it sounds a lot like the world I live in, the devil. I can go there. God says, no, you've got to rebuke the devil, bind the enemy, and move away because he has no authority. So when people come and go, Pastor, the devil's attacking you. No, he's not. Do you know who I am? I am the righteousness of my king. I don't care whether you like it or not, I'm God's favorite. You can say it about you, but I'm going to say it about me. He loves me. Now, that love is reciprocated, and I do it by giving him my life. But, my God, there is no weapon, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That is a promise to those who come under the kingship of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. No weapon. So when the enemy shows up, you go, hey, hey, I don't know if you forgot I don't know if you got stupid. I don't know if you just lost your mind. If you just having a bad day. But do you know who I am? Do you know what God thinks about me? And you know what he did to you, right? So why would you even come attack me? Why would you even try? You know what? I don't even need you. I'm, I'm done with you. There's too much anointing on my life. I've got a kingly anointing because I serve the king of kings. And so I have the power to tell you, for the Bible says that you have the power, the authority, to trample on the heads of serpents. Will you stop inviting them to your dining room or even better yet, stop putting them in your bedroom and sleeping with them at night? Because let's be honest, there's a lot of intimacy with the enemy. Well, you know, I don't want to evict him yet because, you know, we're, we, we've got a past. You know, we're, we're old friends, and, and, and I just don't want to hurt his feelings. You put a snake in your bed, baby, you're going to get bit. You're royalty. You're anointed to lead. You're anointed to guide. You're anointed to conquer. Oh, help us, Jesus. You're anointed to lead. You're anointed to guide. You're anointed to conquer. Now, I'm going to say this to you because so many people go, Pastor, I just don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. Step out of you into your kingly anointing and watch what happens. Because what you couldn't do in your flesh, you can do in the king. So now you go, wait, I'm under the kingly anointing. That means I have the ability to. What my mind is telling me I can't, the Spirit of God is saying that I can't. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So when I understand that this moving in me, then I don't have a problem with when I see a, 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 I'm a teenager and I'm, I, want, I know there's a call of God on my life, but I'm petrified to stand in front of people. I'm petrified to look at people in the face. I'm petrified to stand up behind lights. And God says, but I've called you. And I go, God, seriously. No, Brian, I've called you. And I have to realize that you got to step out of you to step into him so that he might use you. So there's a king, so I'm anointed to lead. So when a person comes to church, pastor, I don't know if you're a good pastor. Well, get out of my church. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was a joke. It was a joke. I was just kidding. But when people come in and go, I don't think you're a leader. I don't think you're this. Truth be told, the only reason people vocalize things like that is because they're in their own inadequacies. Because it's easier to have company than it is to tell somebody where you lack. Right? So I understand that when people attack, they're not attacking because it's me. They're attacking because of inadequacies in their own walk. And I'm not mad about it. I get it because I did it at one point in my life. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest. You ever listen to a preacher and go, man, I don't even know why they're a preacher. 
Come on, don't look at me like that. There are people you don't listen to because you don't like the way they preach. And then God says, but I'm still using them. I'm still going to use them. And, and, and let's say, okay, I'll give you a good one real quick. God, help us. Saints are going to beat the 49ers and get over it. Okay. You three 49ers fans, you know where the door is. Amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. You're outnumbered. Okay. Um, and if I won't do it, my wife will get you. Okay. Amen. Um, so, 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 uh, oh God, I can't remember what story I was going to tell now. <laughs> Father, help us. I, I don't Y'all pray for you, Pastor. I don't know. I lost it. Okay. Uh, in, in all essence, you're not as strong as you think you are. But through the anointing, you are. See, it takes the anointing to lead. Okay, you know how many times I've wanted to quit? No, pastor. Do you know how many times you wanted to quit? I'm human. Do you know how many times I've argued with God? Do you know how many times I told God no? But that's Brian. That's not the anointing. The anointing says yes, even when it seems impossible. So in Christ, through God, I have a kingly anointed to lead. I have a kingly anointing to pastor this house. You don't have to agree with that. You didn't give me the anointing. You don't have to like it. You can go somewhere else. There's a lot of churches. But I know that through God, I've been anointed for this. You need to know that through God and through Christ, you've been anointed for this. But you've got to figure out what this is. And I love what it says. It says you're anointed to conquer. <laughs> Could you imagine what a victorious church sounds like? Rather than the whimpering one that shows up 90% of the time. Just pray for me. Can I, can I just say this to you real quick? I don't mind praying for people. I love to pray for people. But I have a problem when people seek me out for prayer. The Bible says you have the anointing, the power, to lay hands upon yourself and recover. Now, if you're going through a moment of weakness, I'll step in. I'm all there. I'm good. I'm with you. I ride right along with you. But don't come to me because you're lazy. Don't come to me because you think my prayers are better than yours. Because no one can cry out to God on your situation better than you can. I can stand in agreement, but you can touch the heart of the Father. Y'all see where I'm getting with this? I can believe for the impossible. I can stand with you. But listen, I know what I got to do in the process because faith without works is dead. You can't just pray for something to change. You got to change some things. Your kingly anointing. Well, God's calling you to walk in. Let me give you the next one. The other one you're in, you, you have is a priestly anointing. <gasps> I'm a priest? No, you're not a priest. Some of you don't have that title. Some of you are ordained minister. That's fine. But let me explain what I mean by that. You have a priest's anointing. That is a minister anointing. You have the anointing to minister, to encourage, to love, and to pray for others. Can I say this to you? More than you do for yourself. In other words, you spend your life giving more than getting. Yeah. 
but in that you understand that whatever you give, God will give back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You don't ever think of, if I give it away, I'm going to lose it. You think if I give it away, God's going to multiply it. Because that's the anointing you walk in. God says, I give it to you, not so you can keep it and show everybody what you got. I give it to you so you can give it away so that I can not only just replenish it, but I can fill you with more. Because what you do with what I give you determines how much more you get on the return. So the Bible says, if you're faithful with little, I'll make you ruler over much. He didn't say, if you're faithful with little, I'll make you ruler over little. He says, what you do with the little, I'll make you ruler of even more because I can, I can depend on you. I can trust you with my anointing. I can trust you with my favor. I can trust you with my plan. When, you're, when you have a priest's anointing, you're, you're anointed to love other people more than you love you. You're anointed to minister to but I can't pray for them. Yes, you can. You can open up your mouth and pray for them. You can wrap your arms around them and hug them. You can tell them that God's got this, that he's not quitting on you, that he's not brought you this far to drop you off and leave you in a ditch. Somebody said, but Pastor, what, what? Somebody asked me, said, Pastor, what if Pastor you know, this is happening, but what if it goes back? Are you kidding me? That's the father of lies. That is not the father of faith. I believe that whatever God starts, he finishes. For he'll be faithful to complete what he started. So whatever that speaks to you in your life, don't walk out because you haven't seen it yet. Understand that the word says that he's faithful to finish what he started. And if he started it, Jack, he's going to complete it. And if you're off track, get on track so he can complete it, so he can do more in your life, so you can walk in that anointing. You are not lost in this thing. You are not forgotten in this thing. God says, come on back. I'm going to pick up where I left off. Let's keep rolling. You have a priestly anointing. It is not my responsibility to be the only preacher in this city. It is our responsibility to be the preachers in this city. He said, go ye. You, who is ye? Who is ye? Raise your hand if you're a ye. Ye, ye. That was for my teenagers over there. Amen. You're a ye. Somebody say, I'm a ye. That felt weird, didn't it? Don't leave here at church saying, I'm a ye. That doesn't freak everybody out. You are a ye. But he said, go ye into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. But pastor, I don't speak like you, and I'm not crazy like you, and I don't shout like you, and I don't scream like you, and I'm not, I'm not as wild and, and, and energetic as you. I don't need you to be me. He didn't say be like Brian. He said be like Christ. <laughs> Jesus had really good moments, really tough moments. Sometimes he flipped tables. Sometimes he held people. Amen. Sometimes he rebuked the very ones that were rebuking him. He did things that were not normal. He's not saying you got to be like me. He says you got to be you. But understand that I'm operating in you. So when you wake up tomorrow morning or when you leave this church today and if you don't go watch the game and if you go to a restaurant eat lunch, I need you to understand that when you sit at the table and that waitress or waiter comes to your table, you are now a minister of the gospel. Decide what you're going to do for them today. No, no, no. God's tired of this. I've anointed them, Brian. I've anointed them, but they won't touch it. They won't walk in it. You are a minister of the gospel. Did you know I'm even a minister in my own home? The Bible says that men, we are priests and kings of our homes. Single mothers, you are to end this hour. Priests and kings. That means I have the ability to lead and guide and conquer what comes against my family. But I have a duty to minister to my wife and my kids. And if I stop that then I have failed in my responsibilities and I am not walking in my anointing. 
Okay, let me give this to you. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Almost done, I promise. It says, First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. A holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, if you're going to walk in the priestly anointing, you're going to have to open up your mouth and say something. Get anything out of this yet? Almost done. Last part. So you got a kingly anointing. You got a priestly anointing. You have a prophetic anointing. This is where the church gets weird. I'm not a prophet. Prophets are weird. Prophesying stuff. I don't prophesy. That's weird stuff. I don't prophesy. Here's what a prophet is defined as. A person who speaks, watch, for God. I get cold chills when I say that. A person who speaks for God. Which means that under the anointing, there is a boldness that consumes me. Because last week, last revival night, we were in here and we were praying for everybody. And Eko and Robin were here and they were praying with us and we were laying hands on everybody in the room. Yeah, we lay hands in this house. I don't know if y'all do, but we do. The Bible says lay hands on them. Amen. Okay, so I get to the finish line and we're done. And I'm, I'm burnt. I'm tired. Because when that anointing moves, it's, it's like surges. Yeah, I can't, I, it's just crazy. And so Pastor Troy was standing right here. <laughs> He's standing right here, and I don't know what, I just shoved him. But I just fell out. And it was so funny because my wife goes like this. She goes, huh, babe. <laughs> and we got home. And we were sitting on, we were sitting on the bed, and I'm exhausted, but we're talking. She's like, babe, like, what goes on with you when we go through those moments? And I'm like, I don't know. It's not me. I've become a conduit for whatever he wants to do in that moment. Can I just say this to you? The anointing, in order for you to walk in the anointing, you have to become a conduit for whatever he wants to do. Not what you want to do. That's why I love revival nights because, man, the anointing just fills the place. And so you, you have a prophetic anointing. Pastor, I'm not a prophet. I don't hear from God like that. Can I just say this to you? You could. Just clear out the ears of all the stuff you've heard. I, I, I find it dangerous when we say that only certain people can hear from God. I believe I hear from God. I believe you hear from God. But I believe if we listen long enough, God will speak to you in order for you to share what God, not what you want to say, but what he's wanting to say to that other person. Have you ever been in somewhere where God says, hey, pray for that person? That's the prophetic anointing. To speak because they can't hear. That's what that is. It's to speak because, it's not because, because you're the only person that can hear God. It's because there's something in their life that is causing them not to hear. And God's going to use you as a vessel to speak to them because it's easier to hear it from another person in love. 
There have been times where God's given me things to say, and I went, hold up. Let me help you with something. A prophetic word, watch this, a prophetic word will still be a prophetic word tomorrow. Don't ever think that God tells you to say something, you have to say it right then. Here's how I always operate in this area. God, you spoke it. You want me to say it now? Show me you want to say it now. Because I don't want to be out of turn. I don't want to speak it too quick. Sometimes he'll share something with me and say, go home and pray about it. And I never get to say it. He said, I just needed you to hear it so I could show you where you needed to pray and watch what I do in their lives. This is that, this is that space. You have a prophetic anointing. Somebody say, I have a prophetic anointing. Somebody say, I have a kingly anointing. I have a priestly anointing. I have a prophetic anointing. Under the prophetic, you walk in boldness. For the righteous are bold as lions. You're a declarer of the kingdom of God. You are not silent. You're anointed. I'm always weary sometimes when, every, when, when people always have a word. Sometimes I'm really weary about that because I, sometimes I wonder if they're hearing their own words rather than always giving a word. You'll notice that here, even as the pastor of this house, I don't just run in that space all the time. There's a reason for that. Because I believe the same God that speaks to me is the same God that speaks to you. I will only ever be confirmation of what the Spirit of God desires to speak to you already. I will not be something that turns your insides upside down and causes you to desire to run the opposite direction. For that is not a prophet, that is a liar. There is a prophetic anointing in this house. That's how God started with me very early. Through the, through, the, through the gift of prophetic unction. Pastor, what is that? Is that like fortune telling? No, that's sin. This is God speaking into the moments so that he can speak into the lives of other people. Do you understand the weight that I'm talking about right now? This is crazy stuff. The anointing for you to speak for God. And he's anointed you to do that? Is that not what Jesus did? And he said, greater things shall you do than I did? So if greater things, if Jesus declared God, spoke for God, and Jesus says, now that same anointing is on you, Brian, that same anointing is on you, you and 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 you because a mouth that speaks contrary to the word cannot speak the word. If you speak contrary to his promises, you can't prophetically speak to the future. I had to learn this because I was going through my heart stuff, and I, I, I won't lie, privately, I was speaking death a lot. There were nights I'd lay on the couch and just say, God, just I can't do this anymore. There was one night I just told God, I said, God, just, I can't. I know you said you'd heal me, but maybe, maybe you won't. I uttered those words one night with a lot of pain. I forget, there was one time I called my wife when my back was doing its stuff it used to do all the time. And I literally called my wife and said, you got to pray. She said, why? I said, because I'm having thoughts that are so ungodly. Because the thoughts that ran through my head was, I can't do another day like this. 
That was not prophetic. That was prophetic. I wanted sympathy rather than promise. The promise says I don't need my wife to give me sympathy. The promise says that no matter what I go through, through every trial and tribulation, God always, 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 for infinity and eternity always makes a way of escape. got to say this to you in this moment because I feel this so heavy in my spirit. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with, but God has a way of escape for you. And it doesn't mean a runaway. I'm just, I'm just listening to God speak right now. It doesn't mean you run away from. It means that you escape from the enemy's snares that he's trying to attack you with. I even hear this in the spirit. I hear there are people in this room that are battling the spirit of fear. Like an afraid spirit. And God says, today I want to take that away from you. I want to give you unspeakable joy. Peace that passes all understanding. If that's you in this place, I'm going to ask you for a second. Just, this is, you can't preach on this stuff and not move in it. So for just a second, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you in this place and you're battling the spirit of fear, will you just do me a favor and stand to your feet? I knew you were in here. Yep. Right where you're standing, you don't have to look at me. Just close your eyes and lift your hands because in you lifting your hands, you're surrendering to God's movement in your life. Not my prayers, not my declaration, but what God wants to do in you and through you today. He doesn't want you to go home afraid. He wants you to go home in faith. For fear is the enemy of faith. It is not God's plan and purpose for your life. God says, I've come to break off that fear. I didn't come to let you live in fear. So I need you now to live in him. So whatever you got to do right where you're standing, just renounce that spirit of fear. Just tell the enemy, enemy, I'm done with you. I've had enough of this. I'm not falling prey to this anymore. I'm going to be free from this right now. I bind the spirit of fear. I break its yoke off my life. I declare in the name of Jesus, I will not be afraid, but I will be filled with faith. My face, my body language, everything about me will demonstrate that I am now filled with faith and not filled with fear. Enemy, get behind me. You have no authority in my life. I have a kingly anointing, a priestly anointing, and a prophetic anointing to declare not just to today, but to my future. Not one more day will I walk in this fear. Not one more day will I be bound to my own fears. But from this day forward, I will walk by faith and not by sight, knowing God that you have a plan and a purpose for me and you have not quit on me but you love me just as much as today as you did when you formed me in my mother's womb. You have not forsaken me. You have not quit on me. I am the righteousness of you. I bind that spirit of fear. I bind it right now. Yeah. Stay right where you are. We're not done yet. The anointing. Yeah. If you're in this place, say, Pastor, I'm in hurt. My heart's hurt. I'm battling heart hurt with people. Can't seem to get past it. I want to be free from it. I want to walk in this anointing. If that's you, stand to your feet right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. But if that's you, stand to your feet right now. My heart's hurt. My heart's hurt. I want to be free. Listen, this is, you can go home with your pain or you can get rid of your pain. You choose.
Staying in the same atmosphere. Stay in the same atmosphere. Yep, some of you are not getting up. Don't be, don't be thick-headed today. Let God do a work. Let him set you free right now. I know there's a few more. Come on, you're fighting it. You're battling it right now. If I get up, my, 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 my spouse is going to think something. If I get up, they're going to think I'm... T- I don't care what they think. You want to walk home free or you want to go home in pain? Got heart hurts with people. One of the best things I've learned how to do in my life is forgive, even when it hurts. But the anointing is what gives me the strength to do it. So those of you that stood up and said, Pastor, my heart's hurt with people, lift both hands. Say this with me. Say, I forgive those who've hurt me. And God, I ask you to supernaturally bless them abundantly. Fill them. Give them every desire of their hearts. Pour out your spirit on them. Don't let my hurt be a roadblock to them receiving the promise that you have for them. Today, I choose to forgive. I felt that thing lift. Last one, last one. If you're in this place, you're sick in body, stand to your feet. Stay where you are. If you're already standing, stay standing. But if you're sick in body, stand to your feet. You got some kind of an ailment. Mm-hmm. In the right house. In the right house. Is that right? It's here. The anointing's here. You can't preach the anointing and the anointing not show up. Sick and body, lift your hands up both as, they, as high as they'll go. You got an ailment God needs to heal you from. You're not walking out of this place till you touch the hem of his garment. You're not walking out of this place until you're delivered and set free. This is how the anointing moves. Do you ever notice that when we have revival night, the outpouring on a Sunday morning is crazy? Woo! Come on, you need a touch from God. Lift both hands. You, you, you can't get it just standing where you are. Healing. I feel led to do this. Pam and Don, come here. If you need to be excused for the Saints game, you can go, but just stay right there. Baby, come here, Troy, just stand behind him. Oh, Jesus. You don't know this because she don't tell everybody. The doctors diagnosed you with stage three cancer. And the priest and the king and the prophetic anointing in me says that's not true. So you've been conquering this thing. You started your chemo. You've been able to take it fairly well. 
Doctors are even impressed at how you're taking it. But I'm standing here the whole time. From the moment I started preaching, God said, before you leave today, you have to pray for Pam because she's not walking out of this place sick. You're going to raise up like Pastor Glenn raised up starting today. Okay, can I just say this to you real quick? I got to say I got to say I got to say this. I got to say this. Whoo! I believe what we've just experienced nationwide for Pastor Glenn is the outpouring that's about to take place across the nation and across the world in the place of healing. Like healing mantle is about to flow. So what I'm doing is I'm calling that anointing back over here. <laughs> so they can fill this house. So stretch your hands towards Pam. This is that. Pray, we're going to pray for her, not like she's a member of the church. Uh-uh. This is family. This is your loved one. And I'm believing that the same way we declared over Pastor Glenn last week, the same way we're about to declare over Pam and Don, that I'm believing that the next doctor's report, the doctor's like freaking out. We don't know what to do. You believe with me? Let the priest, the king, and the prophet arise in the house. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak an anointing over Pam right now. From the top of her head to the bottom of her feet, Father, we curse the very word cancer. We curse the very diagnosis of cancer. We speak to the root of it and we declare it to go away now in the name of Jesus. Dry up, wither up, you spirit of cancer. We declare healing to manifest in her body right now in the name of Jesus. We declare the power of God to fill her to overflowing, to fill her to overflowing, God, to fill her to overflowing, God, to fill her to overflowing, God. Let that power manifest on the inside. We speak to the dunamis. We call out the dunamis and we say operate right now exceedingly, abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think, God. God, we do not hope, we believe. By faith, we call it done. And Father, strengthen done. For I have a word for you, says God. I know you know this, but I need to declare it. Your wife shall live and not die. And I curse the thoughts of the enemy that come into you in the midnight hour to make you weigh out what life alone might look like. I bind those thoughts. I break you out of those chains of captivity. And I declare today, you will never wonder another day whether or not your wife is going to finish this race with you. Hallelujah. From this day forward. You won't have to worry how she's doing. You'll know how she's doing. Do you see what I'm talking about? Can, I, can, can you give me freedom to do one more? Jerry and Roxanne, come here. I got preacher breath. Come here. I keep hearing the word done. 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 You know exactly what that means. Done. We're done with all this. We're done with all this. God just keeps telling me the whole time. He said, we're done. I kept looking at it. God said, we're done. You're done. Not you're done in life. You're done with this foolishness. So, Father, I speak to Jerry's heart and the rest of his body. 
And I declare everything now to function, not just properly, but under perfection. God, I'm not asking for a partial. I'm asking for a full. A full, 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 fullness. Fill him, God, right now. Fill him. Fill him, fill him, fill him, fill him, fill him, fill him. Heart, you have the thumbprint and the fingerprints of God himself on it. So beat in rhythm with the Father. I pray for strength. Restore to him the joys of his youth. I declare like Pastor Glenn's running around that hospital. Jerry, you about to go running. Back to canoeing, back to camping, back to hiking, back to living your life in the fullness of what God promised you. Father, we release that anointing right now. Touch Roxanne. No more fear. I know we're family, but I'm going to be pastor for a minute. I bind the generational curse of fear off you. It has followed you. It has chased you. And although you are a woman of faith, the enemy knows that if I can get her to think for a second, from this day forward, there is no doubt, no fear only faith and let every word that comes out of your mouth be of that accord nothing but faith I know you're a nurse I know you've seen it all but eye has not seen and ear has not heard you have no idea how big your God really is although you've seen him do big things if God can heal you from cancer, he can heal your husband today. All right. I take the same anointing and pray for the saints, but every time I do that, they lose. So we're not going to do that today. Pray for them. I'm not praying for them either. Amen. That'll get me in trouble at home. Listen, I know, I know we've gone over and I, I like to be done on time, but when you do this, you got to let God do you just got to let him do it. Because I, I believe with everything in my heart, this is where God's moving the church to. It's not a church on time limits. It's a church on the move of the Spirit. Allowing God to be God. But in order to understand that, you have to let God move in you. Become a yes person, not a no person. And let the anointing move in you. You have a kingly anointing. You have a priestly anointing. You have a prophetic anointing. So here's what I ask. I know we're going to go home. You're going to have lunch. You're going to do whatever you do. But I'm going to ask you to come back at 7 o'clock tonight. Come with this same spirit of expectation. Pastor, I got plans. Change your plans. You're not going to die. I don't know about you, but I'd rather change my plans and see what God wants to do in me than keep my plans and miss what God wanted to do in me. Amen? Get here tonight at 7 o'clock. Let's run this thing together. It's going to be an amazing time in the presence of God. Lift every hand in this place as I pray as you send you home. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you've done in this place. Thank you for your power. 
thank you for your presence. But more importantly, God, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for what you've done for our pastor and Pastor Glenn. We thank you for healing him. Father, we thank you for what you've done in this house this morning. We thank you for healing Pam. We thank you for healing Jerry. We thank you for healing everyone in this place. Father, let us walk out of this place knowing, walking, believing that we are anointed. We give you praise for what you've done. We give you glory for it now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great Sunday.